Finding your way to a balanced way of living is the key to health and happiness. Each week on Choosing the Balanced Life with Diabetes, you'll hear tips and tools for a happier and healthier life. Here's your host, Anita Westlake. So often I hear, I would really like to eat properly, but I just don't have time. I'm really busy at work. I work long hours. I'm fighting traffic. And by the time I head home, I just want to get home, get something to eat right away and relax. Or another scenario is I have to pick up my kids, run them to an activity. By the time we get back, we just want to eat. We're all starving and there's no time to sit down and eat something that's healthy. So, so many of us are in this position We're feeling the strains of being overworked and tired. And given these recent economic struggles that we've gone through, our work hours are longer. And a lot of cases, we are traveling further to work. The demands are higher with deadlines and it goes on and on and on. So what can we do to take steps to start eating healthier, even when we're that busy with workloads and family and everything else going on in our lives? To help us with all this is Jill Weisenberger. Jill's helped thousands of people um, eat better, have healthier lifestyles, and she's considered an expert in nutrition and diabetes. Jill's here to talk about the book she's written, The Overworked Person's Guide to Better Nutrition. Hi, Jill. Hi there. How are you today? I am terrific, thank you. I hope you are too. I'm very well. Thank you for asking. So we're here to talk about um, overwork, stress, eating, nutrition, and not having time for all of it. In other words, eating properly, taking care of ourselves. And that's the title of your book. Yes, it is. The Overworked Person's Guide to Better Nutrition. So it covers nutrition strategies and other health strategies because... You know as well as I do, pretty much everybody is overworked. It's go, 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 go. And the very little downtime. And so a lot of eating on the run, um, not being able to plan. And mm-hmm. something that I, I hear a lot is uh, good intentions. So when someone does have that precious nugget of time, they may go out and start buying some healthy choices and then it rots in the fridge because they just don't have time to carry through. And that can discourage people, right? Uh, Yes, that definitely happens. Um, But one of the words that you said, it really is key, and that is planning. So there's two things that I see really derail people from good intentions. One is lack of planning, and the other one is relying on willpower instead of relying on skills and strategies in that plan. So, so many people just want to wing it. They think, okay, I'm just going to eat well, and that's where they leave it. But it's hard to wing it in an environment that is filled with high-calorie, high-fat, high-carb, overly processed foods. And we shouldn't even try to wing it. We should just have our plan. And um, we should realize that willpower doesn't work. I, I don't know anybody who has enough willpower to, to eat well every day, all day, forever. So let's just forget the whole notion of willpower. I think that's the undoing of a lot of good intentions. I like the idea of the plan. I'm all about planning. And when I say I'm all about it, I try to plan as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not perfect. But lack of planning... I tell a lot of clients, 
It's like you're, you're now deserted on a desert island, unexpected. So how do you survive? Right? So now you're winging it. You are winging it. If you're dropped in the middle of the jungle unexpectedly, you're, you know, the plane goes down, you're winging it. Where if you've got a plan and that survival kit, you're going to fare out much better. Right. <laughs> That's such a good way of putting it. Right? So let's get a plan. So is that what the book helps you with this, is planning for better nutrition? There are several aspects of it. So planning is part of it. That is the first two chapters of the book. So the, the first two chapters cover basically organizing your kitchen, um, stocking it with appropriate foods, and meal planning. So I have three different tools for meal planning in the book, and they range from very structured to very flexible because everybody's got their own little style. Some people cringe at structure, and other people feel very much more secure with structure. So there's three tools, and they range. So we cover organizing the kitchen and organizing the menu and stocking your, your kitchen with the appropriate things, including uh, tools, the appropriate um, kitchen tools. And then we also have, there's only a handful of recipes in the book, and they are maybe like um, six or so recipes, but they're there as a guide to show you how you can put a healthy meal on the table quickly. So it, and then it is in, more about strategy, strategy and planning. Yeah, I'm just, all just clarifying that a little bit. Well, right. I think... Rather than recipes, I mean, the recipes are wonderful and they're inspiring, um, you know, and they're great to have. If you don't have the skills behind, those recipes aren't going to happen, meaning being prepared, having the ingredients, and then allowing yourself some time. But just to go back a little bit onto the three strategies, um, I like that, that you just don't have one. Uh, The fact that some people require something more strict, and some people are not comfortable with that. So you have one that is more strict. And what do you mean by more strict? Well, not strict, but more structured. Okay, there you so, go. So um, because we really do vary in how much structure we're, we're comfortable with. So I'll tell you, I don't want too much structure when it comes to meal planning because if I have a hankering for something, a taste for something, I might want to make that. If, um, you know, if I see something that looks absolutely delicious in the grocery store and it's not on my plan, I might want to substitute. So I use a very flexible meal planning tool. But some people do like more structure. So there are two that are structured in the book. One of them uh, is is really more like a, a calendar where you can just write out your meals. But the... It gives you step-by-step instructions on how to plan that. So first of all, you have to really look at your calendar. And know if you're just looking at planning your dinners, ask yourself, well, what nights am I going to get home in time to actually cook a meal? And which nights am I not going to have time to prepare a full meal? And I might want to do something that is very fast, or I might want to do leftovers, or I even might want to pick something up. Um, so it's step-by-step step helping you to look at all the things you have to look at in order to make your 
your your plan. And it's like a calendar, so you would put down your menu, exactly what you plan to eat Monday through through Sunday or Monday through Friday, whatever it is that you choose to do. And then um, another one is very Sorry, similar. Can, can I just okay. ask you a question about the first one? So I'm, I'm listening uh, very closely because I have been on some very structured plans. Mm-hmm. After years of having type 1 diabetes, um, we didn't have a lot of give at the beginning. Uh, now... As you said, some people like the structure, and I must tell you that that structure that I came from, although it was really difficult, it did give me building blocks to where I am today. So I'm interested in the way that you say that it's structured, and and then on the other hand, one isn't so structured. So this is more about, okay, we have a calendar, and we Mm -hmm. can kind of look at our schedule, and of course, some things change, right? But for the whole, it gives you a place to start. So you look at the calendar and you'll say, okay, you know what? Tuesday, um, I finish at five with traffic. I'll be home about six. I have to pick up the kids at the babysitter. Then, you know, Joey's got uh, hockey practice and uh, he hasn't got time to eat. So we're not going to eat till seven thirty. So do you have a strategy in there where mom's or dad, the parents are starving until <laughs> it comes to 7.30. And maybe, you know, they don't have time. Like maybe they think this is where people fall into it. I'm going to go through the drive through My child's okay. not done to quarter to seven, seven o'clock, and I'm starving. I, I'm going to go over to the concession stand because those French fries are begging me to buy them because they smell okay, well, so awesome. There's several things um, in that scenario where somebody who wants to improve their eating habits and takes the time to examine their own behaviors and their situation um, can really make some improvements. So the first one is you have looked at your calendar. That's the part that people tend to miss. They don't think to look ahead, no matter how tempting it is, don't skip the critical step of looking ahead and ask yourself what obstacles are going to prevent you from getting a, a healthy, delicious, nutritious dinner on the table. So if you, because your kids have a late game, um, you know, then you know that that's something that you have to deal with. So in terms of planning your dinner, maybe that is the time where you want to use what I call recipes on the ready. And I have several um, suggestions in the book on recipes on the ready. And basically, these are pantry staples that you have in your house that you know you can put together um, to make a meal. So um, Quick, easy, nutritious, uh, sorry, yeah. nutritional. Yes, very nutritious foods. They're, they're shelf-stable or they're in your freezer. Um, and there's several, several examples in the book, such as um, a salmon salad and a bean burrito and... Um, there's, it sounds yummy. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of ideas, but they're the types of things that everybody's able to make very, very quickly. There's also ideas on things that you can pick up. But that's the first step is looking ahead to see what might get in my way. And then so the, now this person is here, the parent is there at the game and thinking, oh, okay, I'm starving. What am I going to get at the concession stand? Well, that's a place where where mom or dad forgot to look ahead and think, I might get hungry, so what am I always going to keep with me that, I can, that can satisfy me 
and um, keep me away from the unhealthy foods at the concession stand. So that is actually uh, one of the strategies that is in the second half of the book. The second half of the book is 50 health-boosting strategies. And one of them is on um, what I call emergency foods. Okay. So it, what, what would can, be an emergency food? What would well, entail an emergency? Well, it could be different for everybody. But for me, I usually carry um, like a tin of almonds or walnuts. Uh, and sometimes I'll carry apples with me because they do last a long time. They're not as stable as... Um, um, nuts or something, but they will they will um, last several days. You might have um, if it's something you can keep emergency foods in your office as an example. So you have a refrigerator there. Maybe you'll have some packages of yogurt and cottage cheese. I always have tomato juice and vegetable juice in the small cans. That always helps me. Um, so these are times when you're feeling hungry and it may not be, uh, it's, it's extra foods to yeah. deal with extra hunger. See, yeah. that's so a it, great tip because some people deal with emergencies. In my case, it could be sugar rushes. So an apple is still a good thing or a juice, mm-hmm. right? Or, right. You, and it, and sometimes if you're hungry and you have to adjust your meal a little bit, there's still good emergency foods, whether it's low blood sugar or not, because right. they're healthier choices. They're not a chocolate bar. Even in a low blood sugar, I'll take anything, right? I mean, because well, I have to well, deal with it. You have, have low blood sugar. Your emergency foods might be little four ounce uh, juice containers, like the ones that they had little packages they have for the kids right juice boxes you might keep that of course you could keep glucose gel and glucose tabs Um, that's no fun (laughs) (laughs) no but it is very effective it is i'm joking but it is very (laughs) self-stable but you can also think of like dried dried fruit so sunsweet sells individually wrapped prunes they sell small packages of apricots and prunes they sell mixes of of um, dry fruits i carry a lot of those with me too um i do also i love them yeah so the idea is that you have your plan your plan may not work because life gets in the way so then you have your backup plan and in this case the backup plan would be those emergency foods. But you have to think of them in advance. Then you actually have to buy them, and you have to put them in the places that are helpful to you. And then you can even have a third part of the plan. And let's say you were planning to to get home a little bit later, but you had some quick meal you thought you could put together, and... Lo and behold, you find out that whatever it was is spoiled or something has, you know, derailed that plan too. And so the first thing some people will think is, okay, fast food or takeout or something like that. Exactly. But what I have people do is um, just make a, to do it today before you are in this emergency situation, make a list of suitable takeout choices. Have it in your smartphone, have it on an index card, something like that. So if you went to the Chinese place down the road, what would be your best two choices? Write it down. 
if you went to the burger joint, what would be your best two choices? If you went to a place like Panera Bread, there's going to be some awesome choices and some really poor choices. But make that identification now and put that on your list. So when you're rushed, you don't have to stop and look it up, think about it, panic and just order the first thing you see, or get tempted because you're so over hungry and buy the first thing that, you know, that, that, that enters your mind. So we're talking about a plan and then a backup plan and a second backup plan. So it's really plan, plan, and plan. It and really is. It really is. You can't plan enough. That, that's true. You really can't plan enough. Um, but if you just imagine if you had that list in your smartphone, how much easier your, your little emergency period would be. In fact, you could even just send somebody else. Go and get one of these two items for me. Well, I think that's an awesome idea, and we use the phone and technology for so much. I'm surprised we, we can't actually produce the apple right from the phone. <laughs> that would be <laughs> and I'm good. And I'm not trying to sound sarcastic. I think that would be awesome, but, you know, yeah. I, like, I try to embrace organic, so I'm not quite sure how that would work. But the phone, we all, we all have one. I mean, kids have them. We all have them. So yeah. that's a wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. So planning, that's top, top, top on the list, but planning beyond just around your schedule and work and planning inside the household is what I'm hearing through cupboards. Right. So let's say you are cooking meals at home. Isn't it so much more pleasant and efficient to have an organized kitchen? So if you are going to cook, think about how are you going to make it like I said, pleasant and efficient. So, for example, you don't want to have your dishes all over the kitchen. You want to have them in one or two cabinets that are right near, you know, a logical place for you. You wouldn't want to have some cooking utensils in a drawer on one side of the kitchen and other cooking utensils on the other side of the kitchen. They all need to be near each other. You don't want to be, and you want it organized in such a way that you aren't burning something on the stove because you're hunting through the drawers trying to find something. So sometimes it's a matter of purging things that you don't use, but other times it's just a simple matter of thinking it through logically. Where are you going to put things? And do the same thing in your refrigerator. So think about... So chaos is our enemy. What's that? Chaos will sabotage you. It's our enemy. Exactly, exactly. So another one of the tips that I have in the book is about um, if if you make lunches for yourself or your kids and you make sandwiches for lunches, as an example... Why not have all of the sandwich-making items in a little bin in your refrigerator that you can just pull out instead of getting the mayonnaise or the mustard out of the door and the lunch meat from the, you know, the middle drawer and the, you know, the, the cheese from a different place. Why not have all of that in one bin? You pull the bin out, you make the sandwiches, and you put the bin back. And it's just, a mat- it's just so much easier and more pleasant. Well, and organized, yeah. And it prompts you to stay away from the other things that are quick and easy, like, see that bag of chips over there? I just pop that sucker open, and there you go, done. Where well, I have, even a sandwich I have a takes effort. I that issue, too. Okay, um, please. It is very, very easy just to grab a bag of chips, 
But with a little bit of planning and a little bit of work, we can make it just as easy to grab a bag of cherries or a bag of of cucumbers and carrots or bell peppers or something like that. So let's say you do your grocery shopping on Sunday, and when you're putting your groceries away, take that extra time. Why don't you wash up some cherries, put them in little snack-sized bags, Mm -hmm. and have 10 bags of cherries in the refrigerator. So if you want a snack or if you want fruit for your lunch, you grab that and you go. It just makes life easier. Um, As... I'm hearing this and I'm making my own comments. That is what I've had to do to, um, actually I, I do it. I, I don't do it as much now. I do have the little bags, but I had to really focus now and again on what I was eating because, um, I've never really had a problem. I shouldn't say ever, ever, but rarely did I have a problem managing food amounts, but we, sometimes we do. It's a slippery slide where, and I would get, more hungry and it could be stress mindless eating we've all experienced those situations and so having that let's say portion size for a diabetic is really very very helpful i can't say that much uh, enough sorry where grapes so let's say and see here we go i haven't eaten grapes in a while but let's say it's uh, 12 grapes is equal to um, a carb slash fruit, whichever way you want to slice it, because it's been called many different things along That's my right. journey. Uh, it's changed over a number of years. And so there you go. That's one portion. And then you know it's a portion. I've had that. So, okay, am I going to have some kind of protein? And whether you're a vegetarian or you even feel like meat, whatever the situation, as you said, if you have it in one area and you could even take the tissues that they come wrapped in and kind of mark it or take some kind of wax paper and say, okay, that's one meat value. It's a little bit of work initially, but so beneficial at the end. Yes, it is. And it becomes easier because it becomes more comfortable and it becomes second nature. So at first, you know, I mean, everything that we do you know, that becomes a habit initially started as something that was that required a lot of our attention. But um, now I know how to pack a lunch without really much thought about it. And I always set the timer when I throw vegetables in the oven to, to roast them. But when I was first learning to cook, there were plenty of times I forgot to set the timer. So my point is just that the more you do something, it becomes second nature. That's how habits are formed. And so it frees us of that mental energy. So the more we can turn good habits, or to, more, that we, more we can turn healthy behaviors into habits, the easier our lives are because it sucks up less mental energy. Well, I think initially for um, us overworked, um, really uh, time-deprived individuals, it's a lot of work initially. We may think it's going to take a lot of work, but you're going to have to wash those vegetables before you eat them anyways. So if you get them home and do it right at the get-go and you put them in your bins, and sometimes it's even a little project where we feel really good and inspired and motivated, right, about our new plan. And we say, oh, look at me. I'm such a good person. I'm a good girl. I'm a good boy. Here I am organized. Look at my fridge. It's all cleaned out. And that's a great start. And, you know, that little bit of time, as you said, frees up time down the road that we didn't even know we were wasting. 
That's right. That's right. And the other thing is, is that why don't we ask for help? So sometimes we think we have to do everything ourselves, but, but we don't. Um, you have children. I have children. My, I don't know how old yours are, but mine are certainly old enough to help, and they do help. So, and my husband helps. So there's lots of times we can just ask for help. Which we forget. We forget a lot of the time. And sometimes I think a lot of us are so overwhelmed that um, it's almost too much to ask for help. Oh, that'll take too much time. Oh, then I'll have to ask them again. I'm not waiting. I'll just do it myself. Well, I hear you. Right? I think no, I've experienced all that plenty of times. But uh, I think that in the long run, we're better off delegating or asking for help. Well, if you don't start, it's not going to happen. Right. So we have to start doing that. Um, whether, you know, whether it's trying or we have to wait, if you don't, now you've set a pattern that you're going just to add more and more and more on your list of things to do, and mm-hmm. it's unnecessary. Right. It is unnecessary. So, again, it's work, just like taking the vegetables home, washing them, cutting them up, making our little, as you said, um, packets, you know, of fruit, vegetable slices. That takes time, but now it's done. Well, it might take time to get someone on board to start helping if they're not and if you need right. that support, but eventually it will happen. Yes, it does, and then it is such a relief. And you have more time. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of us, not only from work or stress out, but I think it's the lack of planning getting lost in all the um, chaos and stress, all of it. And, you know, just feeling overwhelmed. And it's just so easy to go through the drive-thru, order a pizza, but really not a good choice when we we all, then we get stressed out about not eating well. Right. That's right. Um, Chaos is a good word. I like that word. It really describes a lot of what so many people are experiencing. Um, and so, yes, I agree, going to the drive-thru is not the best idea usually, but keep in mind, put down, pick out some good choices, put it on your takeout card, and then at least when that situation happens, you know that you've made the ideal choice. Funny, there's, there can be fun chaos, and you can have that in your own kitchen, creating a, ha- a healthy meal, mm-hmm. right, that you've already, you know, washed, sliced up, and it's, hand me this, you set that. Uh, oh, I don't want, I, please take the mushrooms out. I hear that all the time. My daughter hates mushrooms. <laughs> I love them. She hates them. So you can have fun little chaos, but it's the overwhelming negative chaos. And that's, that can be a fun time. And again, now you're spending time with your family. That's right. That's right. And another little tip that um, is very helpful when thinking about getting a meal on the table and having family members help you is when you are doing that initial preparation, so maybe it's on a Sunday or a Tuesday evening or whatever it is, whenever you have that time, you can take all the vegetables that you have and get them prepped, put them all in separate little containers, whether it be baggies or um, plastic or glass containers. And then when it's time to get a salad ready, you can just pull pull that out, and you can have a different salad every night of the week, depending on which vegetables you put in. If you're making a chili or a spaghetti sauce, you already have the onions and the carrots chopped up or whatever it is. Um, And that also helps everybody to 
contribute something. You know, it's like, oh, well, I want the mushrooms. Here they are. I want the carrots. Here they are. Um, and they're ready to go. I'm What's that? And they're ready to go because so That's often right. people will say, oh, now i got to stop and I have to wash it and I have to do this and I have to do that. I even wash apples before mm-hmm. I put them in the fridge because I have been so busy in the past, um, even with the kids when we're in a hurry, I'd have to say, did you wash that before we're grabbing that to take with us? Oh, no. And I think, well, then take the grapes. They're washed. They're washed. So if yeah. it is washed, you're going to eat it. Well, the chances are greater that you're going to eat That's it. Right. That's right. And it's there for the taking because the, the popcorn, well, it has to be popped. But if it's in a bag, there's no prep. The chips don't need prep. They just need to be opened. So if we do that with healthy choices, as you've mentioned, they're mm-hmm. ready to go. I think for busy people, what really helps is to make the healthy choice an easy one. So you, you want to free up time, you want to free up mental energy, you want to free up, um, you know, just get rid of aggravation. So if we can make it the easy choice, it's a whole lot more likely that it'll happen. And it, that's exactly it. And, I, you know, it's funny when we say chaos and not having these um, stressors around us. I just had my office painted recently. And so I had, you know, things in boxes and little piles on my desk and I had to cover it with a sheet and they came in, they painted, it was great. And I was really happy about that. Love the color. And then I looked at my desk and I went to find some things and I started to stress. And Mm. as much as uh, I watch what I eat, I eat very healthy. And I will say, I can say with confidence, I eat very healthy. I felt like eating something I shouldn't just because I was stressed and I was aggravated. I was agitated and everything was chaos, but Mm -hmm. that chaos around me just, it was a slippery slide. Right. So there's a good example that when you have things organized and once I got organized, I felt like me again and it was all good and I knew where everything was and I felt more put together and that was there and I could just grab what I needed quite easily. And it's just like food. Mm Mm-hmm. You're organized, you're more efficient, you're, you're feeling you're, better too. You know, you're eating right. properly. You're, you're more confident, you're more efficient, yes. And you're not feeling guilty. You know, so many of us will say, oh, you know, I don't eat well and they feel guilty, but then there's lack of time and planning and they haven't been prepared, so they go to the easy route. And then they feel bad. Right. So how much did you enjoy it? Well, apparently for the moment they enjoyed it, but it it's time to take a step back and really look at the frequency that you're making poor decisions, the magnitude of the poor decisions, and then, you know, use that as part of your motivation to move forward. Sometimes people have very good intentions, but what holds them back is lack of confidence. Um, So ask yourself, well, what is it that I can do to make myself more confident that I can eat well? Well, maybe it is having a a menu plan. Maybe it's asking for somebody to help in the kitchen. Maybe it's taking cooking classes. You know, it can be all kinds of things. It's going to be a different answer for each person. But I think these are really important questions. If you have good intentions and you're, you're not making progress, 
really stop by, you know, take a step back and look at what your motivation is and look at what your obstacles are. And your answer is probably there. Well, I like that, looking at your obstacles. Um, there are tolerances sometimes that we hold around our neck that weigh us down. And it can, you know, create a lot of stress and resentment even in a lot of cases. And even in um, family situations, the blame game, mm. which is not a healthy thing either. And, and, you know, it's just not a good thing overall. So having these plans and then having a step back and looking at wor- what works for you and what's stopping you. It could just right. be you. But again, why are you having that block? What's going to get you out of that? And what's holding you back? I, I think those are wonderful strategies. Absolutely. I'm looking yeah, at some other strategies you've got. You've got quite a bit. You have 50. Yes. There are 50 health-boosting strategies. Wow. And they are... That's five in- zero. Yes, 50. <laughs> That's right. And they're divided into categories. Um, Eat more. So foods that we want you to eat more of because they are disease have, you know, loaded with disease, disease fighters. Um, Foods that that we want you to eat less of because maybe they're highly caloric or they're just not very healthful. And Another chapter in there is about eating better. So that's not about more or less, but about getting more nutrients out of your foods. um, Changing your perspective, connecting with your food, changing maybe your perspective on what you're eating and um, connecting a little more with your food. Yes. We talk about mindfulness, eating more mindfully, um, all types of things cooking food in a safe way, so and what does that mean? your health plan. Sorry, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just very curious. Cooking your food in a safe way, what does sure. that mean? Sure. So you have um, the proper temperature of your food. So that's another thing that I think about, okay, if you're really busy and you are cooking a steak or a chicken breast or um, a quiche that's rich in eggs, are, do you know the safe temperature to bring that to you know, so you don't risk food poisoning? So busy people aren't going to take the time to look it up. So it's Everything's right there on the high book. if they're busy. <laughs> uh, so it's right there in the book what the temperature should be, and you can just take a picture of that and keep that in your smartphone. You could take that and put it on your refrigerator, but the idea is that you always think about... Um, making things simple. Just like, you know, changing the subject a little bit, but let's say you're having, um, you know, some medical symptoms. You don't really want to look up the signs of a heart attack or a stroke to find out if you're having a heart attack or a stroke. These are things that you want to know right away because the t- taking the time to look those up is deadly. Yeah. Yes. It's deadly. So it's the same type of thing when, when we're talking about just having a healthy lifestyle. It, again, it comes back to what I said. Make it as easy on yourself as possible. Don't think every time I'm going to cook something, I am going to Google the proper temperature for such and such. I can have it all in one place. Just post it on your refrigerator, take a picture of it in your smartphone, or turn to the page in the book. But you want to have it handy. Obviously, it's for um, health and safety reasons. Never mind, the food will probably taste better. (laughs) That's right. 
That's right. Isn't that what the uh, cooking channel is all about? What temperature, how to do it. And we watch it, but we don't always apply it. It's entertainment to some degree. But yeah. having this guide and putting it on your phone is a wonderful idea because it brings it home. Right. I think that's fantastic. Well, so you address the cooking in a proper way, in a safe way. Mm-hmm. So what other um, strategies in the 50 do you, do you talk about that are, let's say, a few of the very first steps that maybe are strategies for us struggling, for people that are really struggling to get started because they're so overwhelmed with time and they're, they're on that treadmill of, I don't have enough time, I'm really busy, you know, family work obligations, I'm everywhere, and they're just, like I said, chaos-ridden. Right. What is a good strat- first three strategies to look at to kind of unwind and get yourself started? Well, you know, what's, um, what I really like about this book is that you can open it to any page and start right there. So you can pick whatever it is that's important to you. You don't have to read, you know, go from strat- health-boosting strategy number one all the way to 50. You could start at 44 or 26 or, or any number at all. But I'll, ke- I'll give you a few things that I think that are either incredibly simple or incredibly important. So let's start with okay. incredibly simple. One of the strategies is how to get the most um, health boosters out of your garlic. So garlic is part of the allium family of vegetables, so that includes onions and leeks and scallions and so forth. And it's studied for cancer prevention, and it's also studied for heart disease prevention. And these things are important to all Americans, um, including people with diabetes and, and without. But one of the things that you can do, so if you're cooking, chop your garlic first step of your strat of your um, of your recipe so by chopping if you're going to chop it or crush it do that first and if by letting it sit at room temperature for 10 minutes you stabilize those health boosters but if you crushed them and stuck them right into the heat you destroy them really so there's just a simple tip that doesn't take a second extra of time other than remembering to do it first so the busiest person, if they're going to cook a meal, they could certainly do that. So another thing that's probably really important, unrelated to food, but uh, related to our health, is being physically active. So let's say somebody comes to me in my office and says, but I don't have time to exercise. Well, I'm going to help that person think about ways to be less sedentary. So there's a difference between being physically active and being not sedentary. So, um, and they're both really important. So I could have somebody who is physically active and maybe runs 30 or 45 minutes a day but sits or, um, you know, the rest of the, the, the day. Ten hours that at work person, or something. <laughs> well, that person is still sedentary. Right. You know, even though they're running every day. They're still sedentary the rest of the day. So let's talk about ways to be less sedentary. So can you use the bathroom that is two floors away instead of using the one that's closest to your office? Could you, in the work environment, could you walk to your coworker's desk instead of emailing or um, using the phone? 
can you set your alarm on your computer to go off once every hour and you take 30 seconds to two minutes to do some stretching, some push-ups against the wall, walk to the water cooler or something like that. So even really, really, really busy people can find a few minutes throughout the day. And I would really recommend a minute or two out of every hour for somebody who's truly sitting most of the day. Well, but, what if you had a headset up? You could still, headset on, I'm sorry. You could still stand up and move right. your arms or stretch your legs or do a little something, even with a headset on. If you're, you know, you could be in a call center. Um, but if you could do something, anything to get yourself moving would be much better for your body and not to stiffen up. And then any little thing. So in any little way is what you're saying. I'm glad you clarified that is Mm -hmm. move. Don't just sit for, you know, six hours or eight hours at work. Try to get up and be mobile, even though you can say, well, yeah, you know, after work I run. Well, that's wonderful, but you need to move during the course of your day. Exactly, exactly. So there's a a second thing then that even the busiest person can find time to do. And then probably you asked for three, so my third one is probably the one that I think is the most important um, when it comes to diet. And that is most of the people I know do not eat enough vegetables. nationally we only eat about half of the vegetables that are recommended but most of us um, you know even if we are eating the minimum that's recommended most of us can still benefit from eating more so think specifically of the non-starchy vegetables so they're very low in carbohydrate and they're very low in calories So this is um, especially good for people with diabetes. It's especially Mm -hmm. good for anybody who's trying to watch their weight. So then the question is, how are you going to get more vegetables um, in a fast way? Well, we already talked a little bit about that by planning to have them ready in advance. In their little compartments and bags and containers. Right. Mm -hmm. So by having them in advance. But... Um, so somebody who will who think, okay, well, the dietitian said I need to eat more vegetables. That means I have to cook another dish. Not necessarily. Why not throw carrots and mushrooms and zucchini into your spaghetti sauce? Why not, if you're making even macaroni and cheese, add vegetables to that? So my tip is to add vegetables to the foods that you're already eating and add as many vegetables as you can. So instead of rice, why not um, rice pilaf? Well, a traditional rice pilaf is mostly rice and just a sprinkling of of, um, onions and celery. But why not reverse those portions and make it more vegetables um, and less rice or Um, 50-50? Yeah, we don't need to eat all that rice. Like that is something that I know um, I'm going to say newbies. when they find when they get diagnosed with diabetes, they really struggle with that, and they think, "Oh, right." But rice, if you're if you're trying to lose weight, they recommend rice or brown rice, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have a lot of sugar, and you're not getting the vegetables. Right. So that is so, you know so important to remember, and if you can, and that's a wonderful tip: half the amount of rice, half mm-hmm. it, and put double right. the vegetables in there. Exactly. 
So you don't ha- necessarily have to make whole, you know, ent- additional dishes, but so you're not creating extra work in the kitchen for, you know, cleanup. But if you, let's just say you have all these vegetables already cut up, it, it takes seconds to boost the nutritional value of your recipe, lower the calories, um, and have a, a really good, delicious meal that's just been bulked up. Another one is... Um, Bulking it up can, with vegetables is the best thing you could do. That's right. That's right. Um, so I have some patients who like to make lasagna, and instead of using all of the lasagna noodles, they'll use half, and the other half they use thinly sliced zucchini. So you slice it lengthwise, and you can separate your layers that way. Which is a great um, idea. Wonderful. Yeah, so you've lowered the calories, you've lowered the carbohydrates, and you've added health-boosting nutrients. So I think that's probably the, the tip that's the most important when it comes to diet for Americans in general. The, the last one that I, I was going to ask if you think it's an important tip, just because I hear it a lot, is the being weary of sauces and dips. Um, yes. Because they can just be deadly when it comes to unwanted, even carbs um, and well, sugars, depending on the dish, of course. Right, and depending on who's preparing it. So if I'm preparing it myself, I know exactly what's in it, and I have no fears. But when I'm in a restaurant and mm-hmm. I'm asking for um, you know, my salad, I will always ask for the dressing on the side. If there's some sauce that I can't identify what it is, I'll ask them to describe it to me. I'll maybe ask for it on the side or ask for an alternate. But I agree, particularly in restaurants, um, they can be so high in added sugars and added fats that it can jack up the blood sugar of anybody with diabetes. It can pack on the pounds for anybody. And we do want to be cautious, definitely. And and I think they're um, hidden, how can I put it, hidden, well, say treasures, because they are yummy, and they will make the dish. I mean, if it's, I'm going to say teriyaki. I know teriyaki isn't bad, but just as an example, you're having teriyaki chicken, and there's going to be some teriyaki sauce. So whatever that sauce is, if you can identify it, as you said, and maybe, now does the book address what some safer sauces are that aren't so loaded because I don't think everybody really uh, appreciates how these sauces can be just loaded with sugars and uh, equates to carbs or carbs to sugars and fats. Right. Um, I don't think that that specifically is covered in this, in this book. I don't remember doing it in this book, but it is in an article that I wrote for Diabetic Living Magazine. Okay. And the article is called Hidden Carbs. And it's, so it's Diabetic Living Magazine. It just came out maybe a month ago. So you'll be able to find that still in the, um, on the newsstands or in the supermarkets. And it'll probably be online as, as well. The book does cover eating out strategies. So it lists some foods that uh, some menu terms that suggest unhealthy doesn't necessarily mean that it is unhealthy but it suggests it so you want to ask for more information so battered usually means that it's going to be covered in 
flour or something similar to that that can raise blood sugars and add more calories. It also means that it might be deep fried, um, coated and basted. These are words, um, there's several terms that are listed, but these are words that you want to either um, ask more about or just find an alternative on the menu. Additionally, um, some other strategies that are listed in the book about eating out are um, maybe it helps to be the first one to order. So if you are easily influenced by other people, maybe you should try to be the first one to order so you're not influenced. Um, not being shy about asking what's in the, in the recipe, and depending on where you are, you can even ask to speak to the chef. Um, and and not be shy about it. I exactly mean, ask, you're paying for that meal. You're out, you're paying. I don't care who's paying. It's, somebody has created a meal for you, and you go to a restaurant, and I always say this to people, the objective of the restaurant is to, bro- to provide you with a meal that made you happy. That you were satisfied with the meal. So if you can't ask a question, and if you can't have it the way you'd like it, you know, with, okay, we don't have to get crazy about it. You know, I want ostrich and they don't serve ostrich. I mean about the said menu that's there. If you can't ask questions about your meal, there's something wrong. Well, I will agree with that. Now, it's very helpful if you have a restaurant that you really like just to get to know the people there, you know, get to know the wait staff, see if you can talk to the chef, because the more people know you and understand what your dietary requirements are, the easier it is for them to help you. So if you go to a restaurant once, it might be harder to get exactly what you want than if that's a restaurant where they you walk in and they know you by name there and you know it's funny that works so well I there was a restaurant not that far from me that serves um, seafood and it's a large chain and they got to know me because I would not have butter on any of my fish Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even for any diet purposes. I don't like butter on my fish. When I was younger, uh, we lived on the eastern seaboard, and we didn't have, we just ate it fresh. And I wasn't, you know, we had lemon on it, and off we went. And so I wasn't used to having butter on it, and I didn't like it. It mm-hmm. just, I didn't like the taste. As I got older, I didn't appreciate it. So when I went to this establishment, everything was pre-made. They all had butter. And they'd say, oh, yes, 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 you're the woman that doesn't like butter, (laughs) garlic butter or anything on her fish. And then, of course, they got to know me. It was Anita after that. And they were so accommodating. They always were accommodating and wonderful. And it was a go-to spot. So they actually got more business because I knew they would do it for me. That's great. That's really good. But, yeah, the idea is not being shy. And, you know, you want to enjoy it. You want to keep in your in your realm of healthy eating. So you should speak up. You should say something. And sometimes it gives the restaurant good feedback on what the public would like. Mm-hmm. That's true, too. Your choices. It gives them some feedback. You know, can you put a little less on this? Can you put the sauce on the side? All these things they take note of, and maybe they'll start to make some changes, and it won't be so difficult to ask for these things or be the one to speak up. It'll be a choice that's right there for you waiting. But it has to start somewhere. Right. Those are great tips. I mean, wonderful. And it does. I mean, for for those of us and all of us, we're all overworked. We're all strapping for time. 
great strategies to stay on target. And really, we're creating more time for ourselves in the long run. That's right. That's right. You got to put in the time to save even more of it. So, you know, plan, plan, and more plan is what I'm hearing. So I'm just doing a little takeaway for myself and listeners. Plan, plan, and plan. Right. And the more you plan, the easier it is. So initially, it's a very hard thing for a lot of people to do. So a lot of people who are the best planners in the world, they'll, you know, they have their kids' activities planned, and they have everything planned for their jobs. These are the best planners. They don't even recognize how important it is to plan around food. They just leave it. Well, it's there, right? It's We're not going to uh, necessarily starve because it's ready available, but mm-hmm. is that really what you want, ready available? Right. So it's that shift on what kind of food we want to put into our bodies. And sure, you know, we can all find time to eat in a better way if we plan, plan, and plan. Right. And it takes looking ahead. You know, what is my week like? What are my obstacles? What is going to be a simple way to do something? Uh, but it does become second nature, and, and that's, that's, that's really the good news, because once you do it long enough, you want to continue doing it, and you realize that relying on willpower never worked for you for very long anyway, because I don't know anybody that it has, and that it's strategies and skills, and planning is one of those skills that will get you where you want to go. Well, often I hear um, when people come to me and they're really struggling with managing their diabetes, once they start to get in a routine, and it's work at the beginning, it's work to plan, plan to take you know your sugars before your meal, plan to take your medication if you require, plan if you're going to have a low blood sugar, planning out your exercise. Your life is about planning in a big way. But once yeah. they start to do it, they realize, especially at mealtimes, that the difference between themselves and the other people that they're with at mealtimes that aren't diabetics is virtually seconds. Seconds. And yeah. they're, all their planning isn't, they don't even realize they've planned anymore because they've, be, they've really implemented it into their lives. So that work you do at the beginning becomes second nature. And at the beginning, none of them believe that. Oh, no, it won't. Oh, I'll never get used to that. Oh. I'm not saying you'll ever love testing your blood sugar, but you can get used to that. And that's the beautiful part of it. Planning keeps going and going, and it's great. Right. That's right. So planning uh, around food definitely becomes easier. And it will become, for most people who stick with it long enough, it will become the thing that they rely on, that they really want to do, and they're frustrated when there are new obstacles in their place. And they haven't it's, planned. Okay. <laughs> right, that's right. So they just, they, these people become so skilled that um, at, at planning and, and observing what their obstacles might be that they plan around that. It really is a skill, and good planners become even better planners. Well, so your book is really about motivating people to take charge, no matter if you're overworked, your life is completely chaotic, and you've got all this hurriedness around you, which we we all do in different degrees, but we all have it. So it's about 
let's get a plan in order. I'm going to help you. Here's a guide. You're going to find time. I don't care how overworked you are. There is a way we can start this ball rolling. Well, that's it. Start it. So it isn't about being perfect. Even if you're going to, if you plan never now and you start planning twice a week, you are way ahead. So it's not an all or nothing thing. Healthy eating is not an all or nothing thing. Planning is not an all or nothing thing. So regardless of what your diet is now, if it's less than perfect, and everybody's is, of course, there's at least one thing you can do differently and better. And start oh, with that. One and, thing. Uh, great. Matter. So baby steps. So just start. Yeah, it's one thing. Yep. Just start. Just take that one cupboard one week and another cupboard another week. In the meantime, start planning the fresh food, the vegetables, and washing them. But even the cupboards, they don't have to all be done. You know, no, don't, they don't. Don't wait till everything's reorganized or something in your kitchen to delay or put off or I don't have time to do the cupboards, so I'm not going to start it. Forget about all that. Just start washing some vegetables and cutting them up and putting them in the fridge. Whatever you can start to do, just start something. Right, and I even say that in the book that the first section of the book is about organizing your kitchen and your menu. But hey, if you are too overwhelmed and too overworked right now to do that, just skip right over to the second part and randomly open up to a page and you will find a health-boosting strategy that you can use. So even if you chose one thing a week, you will eventually see a big difference. And the ball will start to roll. And even if it's only two things a week for months and months, it was two better choices than before. Exactly. That's fantastic. Well, I am so happy that you joined and shared with me today, Jill. That was wonderful. I am so happy that you asked me. It was fun chatting with you. You too. So let's look at developing our planning skills. It's so important. Plan, plan, and more planning. Whether it's structured or more flexible, it's vital in eating healthy and having a healthier lifestyle. In prepping our foods and keeping the chaos down around mealtimes. Keep lists on your phones of foods that you would like to eat more of and foods you'd like to eat less of. All of these tools and asking for help really will help move you forward in eating a more balanced diet and a healthier lifestyle. No matter how busy you are, no matter how overworked and chaotic your life is at the moment, we can make steps towards this. Thank you for joining me today. And if you would like to send me an email, share a story, or ask any questions, please email me, anita at anitacoach.ca, and follow me on Twitter at Anita Westlake.